you have questions, you say, why did he call me his rock? You ask, am I the foundation? Is this where his church will be built? There is only one foundation stone, and his name is Jesus Christ. And his church is not here. It's not in those tents or these walls. It's you, all of you. You are his church. And like those, we ask to believe, even though they didn't see him rise again. We must push away our fear even as we recognize the persecution we face. We have to go to Jerusalem and preach the word to build his church. The subtopic is, or sub subtitle is called Deep Callings. Uh, there's certain callings that we have that we just cannot say no to. Um, they're the deepest callings. A lot of these callings, um, you know it's a calling because it's a desire. It's a deep desire on the inside of you that you just can't say no to. Um, I'll illustrate it this way. Uh, all through high school, I planned on graduating high school, go to university, uh, get a marketing degree, go into business, and uh, make millions of dollars, drive a cherry red Ferrari with black leather interior. Um, that was it. And I distinctly remember uh, I was walking around a, a sports bar called The Handlebar in Nederland, Texas. I was a freshman at Lamar University. And uh, raise your hand if you've ever been to Nederland, Texas. If you've been to Nederland, you meant to go to Nederland. <laughs> You don't pass through Nederland, okay? Um, but I distinctly remember I was a freshman in college. It was 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what I was doing up, but I remember being unhappy. And uh, I, was, uh, I was walking around this bar, and I was just crying. I was just crying. And uh, I was uh, mad, upset. And then finally, I remember distinctly, I remember like it was yesterday, I looked up into the sky, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And, uh, and what that meant um, was I was telling God, I'm not going to pursue this dream of mine to go into business and get my marketing degree. Um, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I know that's what you want me to do, and so I'm going to do it. I ended up going to Bible college in, in Chicago, just outside of Chicago in Rockford, Illinois, and ended up going to full-time ministry. My point is this. I didn't go into the ministry because I wanted to. I went into the ministry because I had to. Uh, I knew that there was a part of me that was never going to be alive. There was a part of me that was never going to be as fulfilled as it would be if I answered that call on my life. And uh, all of us, every single person here, doesn't matter what God has called you to do. Maybe some of you, he has called you into the business world, into the uh, whatever. Um, and, and that is exactly where he's called you. And, and you feel most alive when you're doing that. But there's certain things that God has called us to do. We feel most alive when we do it. And, and I want to talk about this scene that took place in the Bible. Um, the AD series is about 
everything that happened after Jesus died on the cross, after he rose from the the dead. Uh, But I want to talk about when he was actually hanging on the cross because there was an incredible moment that took place between he and his mother that I want to unpack today. So it's in John chapter 19, verse 26. Uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and, and it reads like this. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which, let me just take a sidebar. This is one of my favorite. I love reading the book of John because John wrote the book, okay? And he's, he's talking about himself, But he doesn't call himself John. Uh, He doesn't say, and Jesus looked down at John. He doesn't say, and Jesus looked down at me. He says, and Jesus looked down at the one that he loved. Is Is that funny to anybody else? It's like, okay, yeah, there's 12 disciples, but he was looking at the one that he loved. So anyway, here we go. Uh, And he said to her, Jesus looks down at at the mother, and he says to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. So he looks at his mom, and he looks at John, and he says, This is your son. So he's telling his mother, I want you to now adopt John as your spiritual son. And then, verse 27, then he looks at... It looks to this disciple and he says, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. I'm going to talk about four things real quickly today. I'm going to talk about how Jesus recognized his mother. I'm going to talk about how a mother needed a son. I'm going to talk about how a son needed a mother. And then number four, I'm going to talk about how a home was ready. So here, Jesus recognizes his mother. And, and I think that it's so telling of what moms are really like in this scene. Because here, Jesus was Mr. Popular just hours, just a few days earlier. Everybody was chanting his name. He was actually walking into town. Everybody was yelling, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, he was riding in on a donkey. They didn't even feel that his donkey should be able to even touch the dirt because that donkey was being rode by Jesus. So they took their jackets off, laid them on the ground so that his donkey would not even touch dirt with its hooves. Uh, That's how much they were cheering and worshiping Jesus. They were excited about it. But just a few days later, now he's hanging on a cross and all those people are gone. See, what I love about moms is they're not with you sometimes when things are going good and then when things aren't going good, all of a sudden they disappear. Moms are always there. What I love watching is when uh, somebody wins the lottery. I love watching people after they win the lottery and seeing the interviews because uh, all of a sudden they start hearing from family members that they didn't even know they had. It's like, hey, I'm your Uncle Bob. Come here, give me a hug. And they're looking like, who are you? I've never seen you before in my life. And give me a hug, give me a hug. And all of a sudden, family starts coming out of the woodwork. The Bible says, this is the Bible, that a rich man has lots of friends. (laughs) It's in the Bible. It's like when somebody 
is doing well, they're never short of some friends. But when things are not going well, isn't it interesting on how all of a sudden, they're gone. I, I mean, how many of us have been in that season? I've been in that season. You're at the, when you're at the top of the world, whatever your world is, everybody's, hey, text, 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 text. And then things will go wrong, and all of a sudden, cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> cricket, right? I, I remember like it, was, like it was yesterday. I was 13, 14 years old. My mom and dad hit some, some rough patches and, and money was tight. Well, my uncle, my father's uncle, he owns Brooklyn Beer. He's not short of cash. He's lost more money than I'll probably ever make. It's amazing. I've got another family member, another family. They are loaded. We hit rough times. Cricket. <laughs> we didn't hear from anybody. It's just like, should we invite the Mazapikas over? No, they might need something. I mean, it's like, quiet. And here, Jesus, he's hanging on a cross. He's not making free wine for everybody. He's not making fish come out of nowhere and having the largest fish fry known to mankind. He is not walking on water. He's not doing anything cool. He's hanging from a cross and soldiers are looking for his friends. All of a sudden, only mom is there. See, mom was there when things weren't going good. Mom is there when things aren't going good. Mom, if you start getting the big head because you're doing good, mom will close you down. She will tell you a little bit about yourself whenever your head needs to be a little bit smaller. And then when you're down and depressed, she'll pump you back up. She doesn't read the front page of the newspaper. Whether you're doing good, whether you're doing bad, she just loves you. That's a good thing about moms. Let's put our hands together about moms. She just loves you. I can remember uh, when I was in the, the second or third grade, I had trouble spelling. Spelling was just hard on me. I, I remember like it was yesterday. I had the hardest time spelling the word brown. I don't know. I, I couldn't remember how those letters, ow, ow. I, I don't know how it, brown. I could not write it down. And I was getting like F after F after F. And my mom would work with me for hours and hours to learn how to spell these third grade letters. Unbeknownst to me, she went to my teacher and told her, don't you dare give my son an F again. Never again give my son an F. You can put a D minus on that paper. You can put an F in that flimsy grade book of yours. But I'm sick and tired of my son being demoralized because I'm staying up with him till one o'clock in the morning trying to learn how to spell brown for whatever reason he's not getting it. And I'm tired of you making him feel like he's stupid because my son's not stupid. I'll never forget. I came home the next week. I didn't find this story out about 20 years later. I was like, I got a D. I got a D. Because I'm the bomb. The bomb. The bomb. And it starts with D as in the bomb. My mom was like, my boy. <laughs> 
Just so you know, I know bomb doesn't start with D. I just... Some of you are like, oh my gosh. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say it. Just look ahead. Look ahead. Moms will take up for you and fight for you. But you know, um, I want everybody here to think about your mom. Everybody think about her. Uh, some of your, your moms have passed away. Some of them are sitting right next to you right now. Some of them are in another country, another state. Just think about her right now. Think about her. Is she not one of the most strangest, craziest persons you've ever met? <laughs> think about her. I know you're sitting next to her, but let's just be honest. Are, isn't she not the one of the most strangest, craziest persons you've ever met? <laughs> I wish you guys were sitting where I am because some of you are sitting next to your mom and you're like, no, she's not. She's beautiful. I, I, I think, now don't, if you're a mom, don't think about yourself because you're going to stand up and walk out of here. <laughs> think about... <laughs> Think about your own mom, because you're wonderful. You think about your own mom, okay? <laughs> think about your mom. Isn't she not one of the most strangest persons you've ever met? I would say raise your hand, but you're taking your mom out to eat <laughs> this afternoon. Just strange, just like, huh. But here's the thing about moms. Even though there's that part of them that just... They have a love for their children that is so deep and so authentic that words, the, the, the English language does not have the adjectives to describe it. It's deep. It is so deep, even men don't even understand it. Um, you see a, a pregnant woman putting their hands on their stomach and they're just looking at a baby they haven't even seen yet. Um, a, a mother could have multiple kids and they can remember, oh yeah, you were the kid that kicked me in the middle of the night. It's like, how do you remember that? It's like the moms just have this from the moment of inception, this bond that is so deep and so thick, but no mother is perfect. No mother, including Mary. Now, if you're Catholic, don't throw anything at me. Just hear me out. <laughs> All right, In, including Mary. There was a time where Jesus was rebuking demons. You would actually, one time he went and found a person who was demon-possessed to rebuke the demons out of them. Now, people don't like talking about demons. If I start talking about demons for about 10 minutes in this room, some of you are going to be like, okay. What do you, people don't like talking about demons. Could you imagine seeing people's demons come out of them? And Jesus was doing this like crazy. And the crowd was going nuts. They were thinking to themselves, oh, who is this guy? He's dealing with demons. And so his mom actually got really concerned for him. Like, what are you doing messing with demons? The crowd is wanting to beat him, and he's messed, even Mary, this is what the Bible says, take a look at this, in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, it says, when his family, speaking of Mary, his four brothers, and at least two sisters, heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, he's out of his mind, they said. So here Mary is not parenting Jesus the way Jesus would like to be parented. She's showing up and she's going, I, my son, he's out of his mind. Don't listen to him. 
Don't throw any rocks at him. Don't hang him. Don't crucify him. He, he's out of his mind right now. And she loved him more than words can say. But even Mary could not parent perfectly. In spite of that, he's looking at his mom and he's saying, I recognize you. I see you. And here's the thing. I've got a, 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 a picture of my own family right here. And I don't want to just talk about moms for this moment. Um, I want to talk about the whole family and everybody. A lot of times when somebody doesn't love us the way we want to be loved, the issue is not whether or not they love us. It's do you love me the way I want you to? See, Jesus saw that Mary didn't, was not always loving him the way he wanted to. It wasn't that she didn't love him. And he still recognized her. And we're going to find out that he embraced her and loved her dearly as, as we unpack this. But what a lot of people do, and i got to tell you, this is a natural tendency for me. The Italian-Brazilian blood doesn't help it. But if people don't love me the way I want them to, a lot of times I'll push them out of my world. And a lot of times they don't even know it. And I'm speaking specifically of family. We'll just push them out. And I'll feel God, he does not let me get away with that at all. I feel sick to my stomach. But, um, but the reality is, is that all of us, we have five, there's only five love languages. I'm not going to go through them right now. But if, if Allie gives me four of the five, but she doesn't do the one that I like the most... There's a term that psychologists use called love withdrawal. In other words, I'm going to withdraw my love for you. Sometimes it's like no talking. And that's our way of saying, how's it feel to not have me in your life? How's it feel to not be hearing my voice? How's it feel? How's, it, how's that feel? We'll straighten it out and give me what I want. We pull back, we pull back and excommunicate and stop talking. Three, four, five, six, seven days go by, no talking. What's going on? That's called love withdrawal. Why? It, it's yes, you might love me, but you don't love me the way I want you to. Yes, you give me one through four, but I want number five. You don't love me the way I want you to. And what Jesus would do is he says this, this is my mother. And he continues to embrace her even though she had this quirk. She didn't quite understand what he was up to. And sometimes she would push back. Now I just want to say that moms, dads, brothers, sisters, the family unit is the most precious thing that exists, but it is by far the most fragile. We can't penalize people because they don't give us exactly what we want. Our life is not Burger King. It's not your way right away. Is that Burger King? Is that Burger King? It's Burger King today. How about that? It's Burger King today. I'd like for my wife, Allie, to come on up here and help me drive this point home. Make her feel comfortable. See, a, a lot of times, a lot of times people don't give us exactly what we want because they're carrying a burden that we don't know about. Why don't you take it from there? So I want to open the window on why we're crazy. 
Because, well, my reason, I'm married to a Brazilian-Italian. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Give her a round of applause. <laughs> Hold on. No. Um, but, you know, oftentimes we ask ourselves, am I a good mom? Am I a good mom? Or something might happen, especially if you're a mom of a teenager right now or uh, a pre-tween, I guess you could say. Mine's right there. There's often times where I say, man, am I, am I being a good mom? And, you know, we don't have to ask ourselves that question. Let me just, let me just tell you a little story. Mom and dad were watching TV when mom said, I am tired, it's getting late, I think I'll go to bed. She went to the kitchen to make sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed out the dessert bowls, took meat out of the freezer for supper for the following evening, checked the cereal box levels, filled the sugar container, put spoons and bowls on the table, started the coffee pot for brewing for the next morning. She then put some wet clothes in the dryer, put a load of clothes into the wash, ironed a shirt, and sewed on a loose button. She picked up the game pieces left on the table and put the telephone book back in the drawer. She watered the plants, emptied a wastebasket, hung up the towel to dry. She yawned and stretched and headed for the bedroom. She stopped by the desk and wrote a note to the teacher, counted, on some, counted out some cash for the school outing and pulled a textbook out from under the chair. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope and wrote a quick list for the supermarket. She put both near her purse. Mom then creamed her face, put on moisturizer, brushed and flossed her teeth, and trimmed her nails. Hubby called, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put some water into the dog's bowl and put the cat outside, then made sure the doors were locked. She looked in on each of the children, turned out a bedside lamp, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks in the laundry basket, had a brief conversation with the one child who was still up doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out clothing for the next day, and straightened up the shoe rack. She added three things to her list for the next day. About that time, the hubby turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed. And he did. <laughs> I just want to encourage you moms. <laughs> we never have to ask ourselves if we're doing it. The details it takes to run a household and all the things that the family doesn't say, see all the time. I just want to say thank you. And give yourselves a round of applause if you're a mom in this room today. And everyone else, I give them a round of applause. But uh, one of the things, I grew up with a, a mom. She was a single mom. My dad was around, and he, we went there every other weekend. But my mom was single and raised us during a week on her own. And one of the big things was our car. And it was hard to keep it running and keep it, keep it healthy. And so today, we have some uh, gifts of oil changes. And if you're a single mom in the room, uh, they're gonna, the ushers are going to come down. And in that bag is a free oil change. And I just want you to raise your hand, and if you would. And we want to give you that gift this morning and bless you with that. And uh, I hope you enjoy. So just raise your hand real high. They're coming down the aisles right now. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Allie. Just keep your hand up. And we're just going to take care of your next oil change. I hope you're blessed by that. And, uh, and, and Koji wants to take you all of you out to dinner tonight. Thank you, Koji. I appreciate that. Um, the other thing I want to say is that point number two is that Jesus looks down, he's, and you can just leave your hand up, uh, and I sure will get to you. Jesus looked down from the cross, and he saw that his mom needed a son. Now, this is a very interesting point. This has taken me literally years to kind of unpack and figure out, because uh, I've heard this story ever since I was a kid about Jesus hanging on the cross, and I've always wondered in the back of my mind, why did Jesus look at Mary and feel that she needed a spiritual son? What was it? 
She had four other boys. She had at least two other daughters. Here's the thing. Um, Over the last 24 or 48 hours, I've been just kind of praying about this and unpacking this. See, um, Jesus' brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus' sisters did not believe it. Jesus' brothers had pillow fights with Jesus in the bedroom, and then all of a sudden Jesus says, I'm the Son of God. Yeah, you're the son of God. Pink. That's. I got your son of God. Um, They weren't buying it. Mary knew it. She was a virgin when she was pregnant. She knew it. Here's what I believe, and this is what I feel like the Lord showed me. Here, Mary is losing a son. That the other brothers and sisters don't all way understand. And so when Jesus gave John to his mother, John was not replacing Jesus. John was reminding Mary where Jesus was. The other brothers and sisters couldn't do that because they didn't believe Somebody had to remind Mary, I know Jesus is dead, but he's only dead here. He's alive in heaven waiting. Somebody had to remind Mary. Now, 91% of this crowd does not connect with that point. About 9% of the crowd, maybe more. You have the bitter cup of outliving your child. I'm only going to stay here just for one minute because I know this is so painful and I want to respect you by not staying on this point too long. But it is one of the most unnatural things in the world for a parent to outlive their children. I've been in the ministry, I've been a senior pastor for 10 years. I was a pastor at other churches for a total of eight years. Um, My father is a preacher. I've spent more time in hospitals than with other families. And every time I am in a hospital with parents that are looking at their children in a bed... They always say the same thing. They say, if I could trade places, if I could trade places, if I could go there and let my son or daughter come out, I would. Because no parent should ever outlive their children. And Mother's Day is tough for a lot of mothers because it's difficult. What do you do? Are you still a mom? I went to lunch with a businessman here in the community. Um, He doesn't attend our church. And he looked across the table. We're just trying to get to know each other. 
And uh, we were going to do some things in the community together. And I was just trying to get to know him. Or I, that was the goal of the, of the lunch, I should say. And I said, are you married? He said, yeah. And I told him I was married. I said, do you have any kids? He says, I'm a father of four. I parent three. See, when you outlive one of your children, you don't know what to do with that. Jesus knew that Mary was going to have to live the rest of her life being a mother of eight, but only parenting seven. Or six, rather. What do you do with that? Jesus knew that Mary had to have somebody he loved that also believed in God. Because if you don't believe in God, you can't be that support. And the other brothers and sisters did not believe in Jesus until after he came out of the grave. And so she, he knew that John was going to have to look at Mary and say, Mary, you are still his mother. You can't see him. He's in another city a city called heaven waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's in another city. He's not gone forever and ever and ever. He's waiting for you. And some of you need to hear a pastor, a man of God, look at you and say, you have outlived your children. I am so sorry for that. My heart breaks for you. I hope I never have to walk in those shoes because I don't know that I am capable but your children or child is in heaven waiting for you. And according to the book of Hebrews, they're watching us. And let me say this as well. I, I debated on whether or not I was going to bring this up, but I just feel the Holy Spirit drawing me. If you are in the situation that my wife and I are in, my wife has been a mother of four, parented three. She had a miscarriage. My wife and I have a child waiting for us that we haven't met yet, that we're looking forward to meeting. If you're in this room and you had an abortion, and at this time of every year, you don't know what to do with your emotions. In fact, you thought of not even coming to church today. Because you don't know what to do with your emotions and you know the pastor is going to talk about moms. I want you to know that in heaven, your baby is in heaven waiting to meet you, excited about meeting you, happy about meeting you, not angry. There's no anger. There's no, there's no bitterness in heaven. That baby is happier than anybody on this whole planet. That baby is in the presence of God. That baby has, does not know the evil, the stress, the hatred of this world. That baby only knows the presence of God. And when that baby sees you, that baby will thank you for allowing him or her to exist. And you may say to yourself, well, I should have never, I should have never. Well, look, I hate to say this, but all of us have an I should have never. 
all of us have, and I should have never. Well, mine's worse than yours. How do you know? (laughs) All of us have, and I should have never. When we get to heaven, Jesus doesn't remember it. Your baby doesn't remember it. It'll never be, ever, ever be discussed. In fact, when you walk on that street of gold for the first time, you won't even remember. The only thing you'll experience is happiness and joy. So Mary needed John to remind her you're still Jesus's mom. You're still, you are going to see him again. And she, he knew that Mary needed that son. Point number three, he saw a son who needed a mom. You know, I've got a, a dear friend of mine that sent me a card about six months ago. It was right after his mother passed away. And he said something I will never, ever forget. We've never talked about it. But he wrote in the card, thanks for sending the flowers. I'm an orphan now. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget those words. Because it doesn't matter how old you are. You always want to be right around the corner from mama. Sometimes mama's in another state. Sometimes mama's in another country. Sometimes mama's around the corner. You just want to be around mama. And many of your moms in this room are no longer here. And as you have children of your own, but you still miss mama. John needed mama. He needed a spiritual mom. And he looked at John and he said, there's your mama. Mary, there's your son. You need a son and you need a mom. You see, some of our moms are both the spiritual mom and a natural mom. I needed a spiritual mom when I was 19 John may have had a natural mom. I have a natural mom, but he needed a spiritual mom. What does a spiritual parent look like? A spiritual parent is constantly being your champion. A champion is somebody that's constantly telling you, don't worry about it. Your time is coming. Don't worry about it. Your time is coming. But I just got fired. That's okay. Your time is coming. Well, I just lost my car. That's okay. Your time is coming. Well, I just loved. That's okay. Your time is coming. That's a champion. That's okay. You ever see Rocky 1, 2, 3, or 4? Rocky's getting his face beat in. His nose is on the side of his head. And then the the guy in the corner, get him, Rocco! Get him, Rocco! You got him, Rocco! Get him! He's getting his face, it looks like meatloaf. Get him, Rocco! You're looking good, Rocco! And everybody needs a champion to just keep on saying, hey, you're all right. Hey, don't let, hey, one lucky punch and he's going down. (laughs) It's all right. It's okay. It's going to come around. 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 And John knew he might have a natural mom, 
but he needs a spiritual mom to stay in the corner. Can I just say, if I didn't have a spiritual mom by the name of Jeannie Mayo, I wouldn't be here today. I would not be here today. I remember I sat down with her at 19. I said, I think I'm supposed to leave Lamar and go to Bible college. She goes, you're supposed to be a preacher, Frankie. You're not supposed to be rich. You're not supposed to have a cherry red Ferrari. I said, are you sure that's from God? Are you just talking? Are you just talking here? (laughs) That doesn't sound like God to me. I think God told me I'm supposed to have a cherry red Ferrari. She goes, that's not you. That's not that God's plan for your life is not to have a cherry red Ferrari and to have millions of dollars. I said, but I'm planning on giving it to the church. (laughs) She said, that's an important job, but it's for somebody else. I said, I think we need to pray about this. I'm not feeling what you're feeling. She goes, you're... A mother is somebody that champions your cause, reminds you who you are, and gets behind it. And he looked down, and he saw John, and he said, John, you need mom. And can I just say, all of us need to be looking around for a John. You need to be looking around for a John. Sometimes your John will be older than you. Sometimes he'll be younger than you. Age does not make a difference. You got to find somebody to be their champion, to encourage them. Last thing I want to say is there was a home that was ready. Jesus looked at Mary and said, this is your son. Son, this is your mother. And the Bible says that John took Mary home that day. Now, here's the thing. If you want to come over my house, you're not welcome today. (laughs) Now, if you want to give us a heads up that you're coming, you're more than welcome to come over. We don't do surprises at the Mazapika household. We don't do surprises. Some of you are like, come over anytime. That's not, no, don't come over anytime. Is there anyone with me? Don't come over anytime. No, 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 no. I got two dogs. I got three kids. Nuff said, okay? Nuff said. I don't know how to spell nuff. I wasn't good in the third grade, but I'm just saying. <laughs> nuff said. At any given point, there's going to be Superman underwear hanging from the fan. There's going to be diapers places that shouldn't be diapers. There's going to be dogs. Every, it just You want to come over? One time, Allie was sick, and some of y'all wanted to be nice and bring us some food. And I'm like... Can you just like lay it at the door and ring the doorbell? <laughs> then run back to your car. I'm happy for the food. But I want to open up and like, you want to come? You can't come in, but it's crazy in here. What's my point? Jesus looked at John and said, today's the day. I need you today. And John said, come over today. Your home is the most private part of you. See, the you that we see this morning, it's the you you want us to see. Here's the thing. When you meet somebody for the first time, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. <laughs> That's not them. Are you with me? That's not them. You're meeting their representative. You're meeting who they want you to meet. Now you get to know them and go to their house. Now we're talking. Meet their mama. They'll tell you everything you need to know. John's private world was ready 
And a lot of times we want God to change our season. But our private world is not ready. There's a scripture I want to share with you about silver. Uh, It reads like this. Remove the impurities from silver and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. Imagine this ring on my finger. This is sterling silver. And I'm not happy with this ring and I want a silversmith to come fix this ring. The Bible says in the Frankie International Version, Frankie, clean the ring to the best of your ability. And when you've done all that you can do, I'm going to show up and do the rest. See, John, he had his private world in order. And when his season changed, he was ready. The silversmith shows up when the silver has been cleaned. The question is, is what's our private world look like? That's something only you know and God knows. But he oftentimes does not show up and move until we've done some house cleaning. 